Happy Thanksgiving. Hope everybody had a great one. Um, just a few minutes ago, Wade and I were outside, and um, he asked me, was I ready? And uh, I said, I guess. Uh, I think so. He said, well, it should be pretty quick, because we had talked about this earlier in the week, and I said, it's pretty straightforward. The shepherds heard from the angels. The shepherds run to see Jesus' birth, and then they ran to tell everybody what they had seen and heard. So if we will run to Jesus and then run and tell everybody what we've seen and heard, we'll end the service now. Let's pray. The band can come back up, and the service is over. And it's pretty as simple as that, to be honest with you, when you, when you really look at the story. Um, we had a great Thanksgiving, um, our family. We just went out to Gilbert and ate and sat around and ate and sat around and ate and sat around and ate and sat around. It was awesome to go out. Uh, it's my mom's best friend from middle school. Uh, they have a little place out in Gilbert, and they had an outside cookhouse. And we just sat around literally for about eight or nine hours just catching up, laughing and talking and reminiscing. And uh, she has two boys about our age, and they, they love each other to death, but they love to pick on each other. And, and for six or eight hours just watching them two go back and forth, we laughed the entire time. So it was a great uh way to celebrate Thanksgiving and, and all the things that we were thankful for. And matter of fact, before we each, we all have to get up in a big circle and hold hands, and we have to go around and say something that we're thankful for, whether it's one word or, or, or sentence, and that's kind of their tradition, and that was pretty cool uh, to see that again uh, this year. Um, Brian had talked a couple weeks ago, about, or last week, about uh, having three or four weeks to prepare for his sermon. I always need three to four weeks to prepare for a sermon. Usually I need about six to eight weeks because... You can give Wade and Brian a topic, and in 20 minutes they got a message done, and they can roll with it, Um, at least where I couldn't tell they hadn't prepared. But for me, it seems like God speaks to me throughout the week, and whether it's a song or whether it's somebody said something or whatever. And uh, so I am thankful that they uh, showed me a little grace by giving me a little more time than than everybody else. Um, God actually showed me in the last three weeks uh, mercy. He showed me forgiveness. Um, through a pit bull attack. I actually got bit by a pit bull, I think three weeks ago now, very unexpected, delivering a tractor to a farm, and Rocky was not as nice as uh, the owner said he was, and he got me pretty good. Uh, so much so that I had to go see Kyle, because Kyle had an EMT bag close by and cleaned me up. Then I had to go to the hospital, and then I had to go do all this other stuff and take some antibiotics and stuff. So God really showed me mercy and grace and forgiveness, and really showed Rocky forgiveness and grace because I left my weapon home that day. <laughs> um, but it was all good, and it actually opened a dialogue between me and the owner. You know, He was worried about all kind of stuff, and I said, it's okay, don't stress out about it, I'm okay, don't worry about it. So it really kind of was um, ended up being a good thing. Um, we also talked about raising our voices last week. One thing that I hate um, it's churches that won't raise their voices, that won't sing loud, and I can't sing a lick, and Brian was trying to be really nice last week and saying that I could sing better than I really could, but, but I, I can't. I know I can't. Um, I'm not one of those on American Idol that thinks they can sing and, and really can't. But one of the songs that really spoke to me this week was House of the Lord, and it's by Phil Wickman. And the lyric says, there's joy in the house of the Lord, there's joy in the house of the Lord today, and we won't be quiet We shout out your praise. And I hope that's what City Church continues to do is shout out his praise. Because if we have joy and hope in the Lord, we should be continually singing his praises. Brian and I actually, this is how the Lord works this morning, getting coffee. Brian was talking about someone that he spoke to about um, 
sharing our faith with people. It's not that we don't want to. We don't know how. And then we got on the topic of a truck. And when you buy a new truck, you go tell everybody about it. You might not know everything about it, but you study it and you look into it. And then you go tell everybody about this truck and all the features it has. It's not that we don't know how to. It's a lot of times we choose not to. And uh, I hope that we um, will have joy in the house of the Lord and we won't be quiet. Um, most of the time, um, I wanted to have interactions uh, as the shepherds did with the angels. Because I know for me, it, sometimes I physically want to see an angel appear before I make decisions. I pray on it. And oftentimes, we want to have angels literally appear to us. And, and for me, that's never happened. Maybe for some of you, it has. But uh, I say it has. I've never seen the heavens part and angels physically come down. But I have seen the angels that God has put in my life in little small instances. And we'll see that uh, hopefully today. Um, you know, like in, in, in Luke 2, where the angels appear to the shepherds, we also see in Acts, I think it's 519, where the angels appeared to the apostles who were in, in jail, and they actually opened the jail doors. And that would have been really neat to see. See, but faith, and I think Wade actually said it a while ago, faith is believing in something that we can't see. Faith is actually believing in something sometimes we don't even understand. Because if you take the Bible and you look at a lot of these stories, sometimes it takes a lot of faith to really, truly believe that these stories actually happen. And I do. And I take it literally. I'm going to read uh, Luke 2, 8 through 20. I'm going to read it in its entirety. And then we'll come back and maybe break it down a little bit. Says Luke 2, 8 through 20, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said, I will bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was a baby lying in a manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angels had told them. See, in Micah 5.2, Jesus' birth was predicted hundreds of years before this took place. He was predicted that he would be born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem is a Palestinian town south of Jerusalem. Um, I think, if I'm correct, that Bethlehem actually stands for House of Bread, and we just took communion, and, and Wade spoke about that. So when you put all these things together and you really look at how God set up everything, it's no coincidence how things were named, the timing of things. Bethlehem was also the hometown of David where he was actually crowned king. From my understanding, Bethlehem really wasn't a very influential city. It was maybe just a regular city, but where a king came from. 
Bethlehem is actually the home place of a good friend of mine named George. George was born and raised in Bethlehem until he was 19 or 20 years old. It was really neat to get to hear him tell how he was raised. Matter of fact, he was a translator for a lot of the American churches that would come over and visit the Holy Land. George was really funny. And he, I remember asking him all about it. He goes, yeah, you Americans would come over here to Bethlehem and, and want to tell me about Jesus. He said, Jesus, my cousin. <laughs> he goes, my grandma goes to his church. And uh, he just really cracks jokes about it. But to hear him talk about Bethlehem is really, really interesting. See, God revealed his son, but not to those that you would expect. And the topic today is the announcement to the shepherds. Who do we say Jesus is? And who do the shepherds say Jesus is? See, most of the time we, I think even in the Bible, a lot of times they thought that he would be announced to the kings of, of the land or, or very important people. In today's time, it would be the president or the governors or senators or legislators. That was not the case. It was to the shepherds. It's because God is our shepherd. God announced it to, a lot of times in the Bible we talk about shepherds as the lowliest of the low. Um, this was maybe a little bit different in the Bible because I think the Bible talks about the priestly shepherds, the shepherds that were actually guarding the flocks that were going to be sacrificed. And these, these lambs had to be without blemish. And they were protected by shepherds and maybe a step above a normal shepherd. But at the end of the day, they were shepherds. They were priestly shepherds. They kept watch over these sheep, the sacrificial lambs, the royal flock, some people would say. And there was a tower outside of Bethlehem, and I don't even know if I'm going to pronounce it right, Migdal Eder, is that, is that close enough, Wade? Which was a tower. It's kind of like a watchtower that you may have in a prison where the, the watch guard can actually see the whole territory or the whole fence line of the prison. Kind of the same situation here where maybe a... The supervisor of the shepherds would stand up there and watch, and he could see over the flock a lot better. But in the day, these were shepherds that God revealed the coming birth of his son. See, a lot of times we wait around for a physical angel to appear, and we miss little small signs, little small miracles throughout our day. And in verse 15, it says, When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord had told us about. To me, that's kind of amazing. They probably heard this story for the last 200 years from ancestors about the Messiah that was coming. And they were just excited that day as they had, had, had their ancestors 200 years ago. I don't know why when I re- first read verse 16, when I got to the part that said, Let's see this thing that has happened. I don't know why. I literally started laughing. Because when Sims was born, almost 21 years ago, it was definitely a thing. It was, it was a traumatic event. Tina was in labor for 27 hours, and he just was not coming out. He had a big gourd head, and it just was not going to happen. They tried and tried and tried. She pushed and pushed and pushed. The doctor actually pulled and pulled and pulled with this contraption thing he was using. And, uh, and eventually, Tina had to have a C-section. And when he came out, his head was so pointed it looked like the cone head show. These cone head looked just like. Literally, I thought we had a thing. <laughs> I didn't know what had what we had had. And the first question I ask is, is his head going to go back to normal? And so when I got to that verse, 21 years later, when it said this thing that has happened, I kind of understood what the shepherds were talking about. In verse 16, it says they hurried. Some translations said they ran to and from to tell. And I spoke about that a few minutes ago is that, are we in a hurry to run? 
to Christ. But more importantly, are we, run, are we ready to run to tell people? Again, it took 200 years for this prophecy to come from the time Micah had prophesied about the baby of Jesus being born until it actually happened. And I think about, I, Pablo, we're standing up here talking while I said, we won't wait two days. And Pablo said, two days? We won't wait two minutes. Two hours. And they got deliveries now, and literally you can get something delivered from Amazon in less than 20 minutes now if you live close enough by. But they waited. I just think about the patience of the people back then that they had in the hope of the risen Savior to be born. I probably would have run. I probably would have run the other way had I seen that the heavens open and an angel of the Lord and then a vast army of angels appear. I probably would have run, but the other way. And we're still actually running today, but usually it's running away from God and not towards God. See, we actually know the end of the story. See, the shepherds knew that there was going to be a baby born that was the Messiah, the Savior, that they'd heard about for hundreds of years in the past, and they were in a hurry to go tell him. They hadn't even seen the first miracle yet, other than Jesus being born. They hadn't seen him heal the blind, heal the sick, raise the dead. They had seen none of that, but they went and told. We have seen every bit of it through this, and even in our personal lives, but we, for some reason, are very hesitant about telling. It says, verse 17, it says, they told everyone. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. Verse 19, it says, but Mary kept all things in her heart and thought about them often. And I wonder about that, because Brian, I think, actually touched on that a little bit last week. It said Mary was content. You know, maybe she didn't know the extent of what has it just happened or who she actually gave birth to? I know that God had spoken to her and told her, but I don't think she really probably understood the full extent of what her son and God's son were actually going to do to change this whole world. I know in today's time, if, 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 if Christ was born in today's time, we'd have bumper stickers all over our car. You know, my son, you know, created all creation. Your son's a B student. You know, all the bumper stickers you see on the back of cars. I think about how we'd have it all over social media and we would be bragging about our son and who he is and what he does. And that's what we should be doing. We should be bragging about who our Savior is and what he's done. And in verse 20, it says, The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angels had told them. And also in verse 20, when I read that, I was like, Who watched the sheep? When the, angel, when, the, when the shepherds went, who, who watched the sheep? So who was the shepherd during that time? Maybe the guy in the tower was the one that was overseeing them. See, we are often sitting idly by waiting for an angel of armies before we'll commit to something, before we'll lead somebody, before we'll help, before we'll host Really, before we'll do anything that's going to take time away from us. And that's what we're waiting for. See, are we keeping our hearts and minds open to God's little glimpses that he shows us throughout the day? Just little signs here and little signs there. I think about this, you know, Thanksgiving dinner, just of the stories that we told of the people's house we're at, of their husband who passed away, their father, that was very instrumental in my life. 
and watching how he led his life. I didn't think about it until just now that I actually was an angel God had put in my life when I was eight years old. So much so, they asked me to speak at his funeral. I think about just little glimpses of God revealing himself throughout our days. I think about how Tina and I's decision to go to the camp, to start the boys home in the camp, actually how that came. We'd prayed about it for months on end about, is this what we're supposed to do? We both kind of felt like that's what we were supposed to do, and that was kind of the tugging of that's what we were supposed to do. But I remember the night before we actually committed, we were laying in bed. And I told Tina, I said, let's pray on it one more night. Just one more night. Because we were fixing to give up a lot. We were going to sell our house. We were going to move and go out to, and start something that we really didn't know what we were doing. Matter of fact, if we knew what we were doing, we would not have done it. Um, so we went to bed that night. And I literally had prayed, God, give me a sign. You know, please come down in the middle of the night. Tap me on the foot. You know, come, literally come in where I can see you. And tell me this is what we're supposed to do. And I actually thought he was going to do that. I mean, I really felt in my heart he was going to do that. And when I woke up the next morning, nothing had changed. And Tina and I kind of looked at each other, what you think? I don't know, what you think? I don't know. Did you feel anything? No, I didn't feel anything. You you know, the Lord didn't come down, none of that. And that morning, we were driving to Kershaw County to go see a friend of ours preach that we'd never seen before. It actually snowed that night. So when I got up and went outside to crank my car up to let the windshield thaw out, I cranked it up, I was getting ready to shut the door, and I heard a song playing on the radio that I had never heard before. So I opened the door back up, and I listened to the lyrics, literally was almost in tears, and it was by Matthew West, Do Something, is the, name, the title of that song. And basically the lyrics are saying, the author of the lyrics, the songwriter of the lyrics, is screaming out to God, God, we got all this turmoil in our country. God, we got all these homeless people. We got all this craziness in our world today. Why don't you do something? And God said, I did. I created you. And that's kind of when I heard that song and all the conversations that Tina and I had, had with Scooter about somebody's got to do something. Somebody's got to help these young boys in our community. Somebody's got to do something. And man, I literally ran back inside, and I told Tina, I got her answer. It's through a song, as crazy as that sounds. I feel like that was the Lord speaking to me through that song to do something. He created us. And if we weren't going to do it, maybe nobody was. So I think a lot of times we are waiting for the heavens to be parted before we'll do something. If we would just open our eyes daily and watch for the Lord and what he can do. First Peter, Peter 5, 2 through 4 says, Shepherds, Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight not under compulsion, but voluntary, according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, not yet as lording over those allotted to your charge, proving to be an example to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. This this verse is actually written to the elders. It's actually for, for, for us to to do what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to do it and do it the right way. But it's also showing the characteristics that really what we all should be doing. It says, and number one, that we realize that we're caring for God's flock, not our own. That we're leading out of eagerness to serve, not obligation. That we're concerned for what they can, not what we can give, or what we can give, not what we can receive. 
and lead by example, not by force. That was something I really took seriously when I was a troop commander in the highway patrol, is I led by example, not by force. Just little small things, just little small things that I would do to set an example. One was I wore my bulletproof vest every day in the office. The office was 72 degrees. I was the only captain on the highway, whole highway patrol that would wear their, their vest in the office five days a week. And everybody asked me, and I always got picked on why I did it. And I said, well, I expect 82 troopers that work for me to go out and wear their vest at the Carolina Clemson football game last night or at the first game of the season when it's 103 degrees and they're standing in traffic for 12 hours sweating profusely wearing that vest. I can sit in the 72 degrees office and wear mine. See, I'm asking them to do something that I wouldn't do. That's crazy. Why would I do that? Just little small things like that, guys, is what I'm talking about. See, all of us lead others in some kind of way, whatever our role may be in leadership. It should be in line with the characteristics of 1 Peter 5, 2-4. See, the closer we are to the shepherd, the safer we are from the wolves. I just this week at work was talking about a situation and I asked the guy, we were talking about a certain, I won't go into a lot of details, but a certain topic of ministry. And uh, I said, have you ever heard of sheep in wolf's clothing? Or wolf in sheep's clothing? He said, no, I've never heard of that terminology before. So it talks about it in the Bible. He said, man, let me tell you about somebody that I think. And when he told me who he thought, I agreed with him 100%. But the closer we are to the shepherd, the safer we are from the wolves. See, the closer we are to the Lord, the further we are from gossip. The further we are from slander. The further we are from politics. The further we are from worry. And the further we are from anxiety. So when we follow... God, we are not guaranteed a comfortable life. We are promised that everything, even our discomfort, has meaning in God's plan. Just backstage a while ago, Jennifer brought up a praise about her father who's dealing with COVID and it's taking him a lot longer to recover. It's going to have been a little frustrating, but I don't know how long ago he had a heart attack and they put stents in and she was praising the Lord for the heart attack that her father had because had he not had it and they put stents in, maybe the blood flow, maybe the oxygen levels would not be where they need to be for him to survive the COVID diagnosis. That's pretty strong. So we don't think about it. We don't think about fleas in our area to keep guards out so we can worship God. See, a lot of times we just think about what's he not doing for us? And we should be thinking, what are we doing for him? Matter of fact, one of the girls at the Thanksgiving dinner, one of my buddies at the Thanksgiving dinner's wife, when we got to talking after seven or eight hours, we were just talking about, you know, the craziness the world is right now and just all the confusion and all the disagreement and all that. And it was very cordial and just, just had a good time talking. And she goes, I'm kind of excited. And I was like, she's like, I'm kind of excited. I see God's hand working. I see people that weren't praying, praying. I see people doing things that they normally hadn't been doing. I'm excited about the times we're in because God's working. Matter of fact, I hope he's coming back soon. I'm ready. 
we're all ready. I thought that was a pretty neat way to look at and to have the attitude at what's going on. So how do we apply this in our life, application in our lives? How do we apply it? We apply it by getting in the Word. I think everybody knows that. Getting in the Word to get to know who God truly is. Discipleship. We've been speaking about a lot about that lately at our church, about discipleship. I think about the last-minute text Jeff gave us a couple weeks ago, and six or seven guys showed up at his house, and we just had a great time. We played some card game that we asked each other questions, and it was really cool to see the answer. As a matter of fact, I got to go know J.W. better than I ever have through those questions that were asked to him. Even Austin, the boy that Tina and I took in, there were some things I didn't know about him that J.W. asked him a question about. It was just really, really good to be in the midst of men that want to serve God. Right Now Media, some of y'all may even know, but we have access to Right Now Media here at our church that we can use. Tina and I have been using it for years, and that's an awesome tool to use. And of course, prayer. Something I've really been working on lately is really trying to spend more time in prayer. So who are we worshiping? It's in John 10, 11, it says, Christ says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. Are we willing to sacrifice for the sheep? Are we willing to sacrifice our time, our money, our houses, our dinner table once a week? See, we often wish upon a star instead of the one who created it. Let's be the shepherds running to Jesus and then running to tell others. Let's apply this to our lives today. Let's be the ones that run to Jesus every day, every minute. But most importantly, let's be the church in the body of Christ that's willing to run to tell others like the shepherds did. Again, I could have summed this up just by doing what they did. We know the end of the story. We've seen the miraculous signs. We've seen it all. Continue to see it today. But a lot of times we're like Matthew West. God, where are you? Why are you not showing up? Let's just open our eyes a little bit. Let's have faith that these shepherds had. And let's run to tell others about Christ. Let's pray. God, I love you. I just thank you for this church body. I thank you for just the three or four people this morning that had just shared a glimpse of themselves, a glimpse of what's going on in their life or their family's life that just really encouraged me today. I thank it. Thank you for the Thanksgiving dinner that uh, you give us way too much. We're way too spoiled. But I thank you for the stories I heard this weekend. I thank you for the stories I heard this morning. It just inspires me to be better. It inspires me to want to run to you instead of away. It makes me want to run to you and then run and tell others. It just makes me want to be more like you. It's just amazing of the patience that people had in those days and the stories they had heard for hundreds of years and when it finally happened, they were so excited and they didn't even know the end of the story. God, I pray City Church is one who's willing to stand in the gaps, willing to fight, 
for our beliefs, who are willing to stand firm in our faith, but most importantly, willing to run, to tell others that you called us to tell. In your holy name, amen.